welcome to a football podcast with myself, Sean Kay, and Stephen Caldwell. Today we chat about Villa's return to the Premier League, Toronto FC in San Jose, LAFC's dominance against Montreal, Vancouver's win against FC Dallas, Champions League finals, and more. Uh, as you can notice, KJ is not with us today. He's uh, currently on his way back from the Indy 500 and crying tears of joy as Villa <laughs> got promoted today. Uh, but we we're lucky to be joined with uh, a former playoff winner and goal scorer, Wade Elliott. Wade, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having me. Uh, before we get into the match, uh, this weekend was the 10-year anniversary of you guys uh, being promoted. Uh, I saw you guys retweeting and posting about yeah. it. How was it this weekend? We had a great weekend, to be honest. It was it was actually a coincidence that we were together. It wasn't anything planned because of the anniversary, but we um, we're, were very good friends. We played at two clubs together. We, we had great success at Burnley and then pretty good success at Birmingham as well. So we're extremely close. We try and hang out once a year. We loves Toronto. It's a tremendous city. And uh, and it was a coincidence that it was this weekend, but we reminisced and enjoyed it, didn't we, Wade? Love Toronto. We had a, an amazing day. So we... Uh we spent the whole the whole afternoon reminiscing like old men about <laughs> about old we times. Look like old men, we looked like old men. We looked like about seven o'clock. We looked like really old men. <laughs> uh, and then we ended up at the Raptors. So we were at the me and another friend were at the Raptors in the evening. So it was a pretty good way to spend the anniversary. The yeah, we were at the game. Yeah, oh it's incredible. God. Yeah, oh, what a moment! It was amazing. We didn't add. I'd be disappointed. I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> but at one point, there were about 50. I was working out the averages. I was thinking, if the Bucks keep going, they're going to end up on about 120 points. And <laughs> I know nothing about basketball, but I know that's a lot. <laughs> and, and they just started to claw it back. The momentum shifted and it changed. And it was, we were really privileged to be there. It was an incredible uh, experience. Yeah. If we were to go back and talk about how you guys won and the atmosphere there and outside and then where the Raptors are, how is it different? Is it is it the same? What, like, what do you think of the atmosphere? It's actually a pretty good question. I, it's I think a brilliant it's, question. It's different being in an arena, isn't it? It's, it's pretty electric being in that closed building, and especially when it's, you know, I think there's about 19,500, 20,000 in the Scotiabank Arena. And uh, I've been there myself a few times. I wasn't at the game. I was actually in real sports, but, but Wade and Jay were at the game. And, um, and the atmosphere inside that arena when it gets going is absolutely incredible. But you know, nothing compares to Wembley. There's 90,000 people there. The, 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 the thing about the playoff game is the build-up to it as well, the full season, the playoff campaign. You get there, it's a day out for, for everybody as well. And and you sort of live that day from the first moment, don't you, if you when you wake up to when you're hopefully successful and you, you lift the trophy. Yeah, it's massive. It's and it, it's different when you're inside it because the impact it has on you. The only, the only difference in the atmosphere I found is the effect of the away fans. Yeah. Obviously, geographically, this is so yeah. vast, and it's a it's a different dynamic at home because it's you much feel more the momentum more. Yeah, and it's much more arena. it's much more territorial. Yeah, and you've got I've been to games and you you don't see what's going on on the pitch because you're watching the crowd half the time. You're seeing <laughs> yeah. what's going on, and it's more of an that, event. Yeah, that sort of drives it it on. But the the similarity I found was afterwards we came out onto the street and it was it was incredible. It was party central. It was unbelievable it was so it was so well mannered and, and good spirited and we I always remember the the bus tour yeah we had an open top bus around Burnley yeah. one or two days after the game and Burnley's not a not a big town no. I think the population was about 70,000 or something like that and literally the whole town everybody I was think there I think there was more people in the streets of Burnley than actually lived in Burnley <laughs> it was it was I think that's true it was it was crazy but it was a similar sort of atmosphere just yeah. everyone was so happy celebrating there and that's the I mean that's the good thing when you realise you're representing a not just yourselves but a, a town a group of people and and what it means to people and it, something similar last night you could see the pride in the pride they had for their city yeah. it was it was it was special to be we, 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 we lucked out with the timing that we were here yeah. Really, lucky. the magic of sports, right? It's yeah. just the thing that gets everyone together. And so, moving on to uh, to Villa and Derby today, yeah. uh, that was a magical moment for Villa. Uh, what are your thoughts on the match? Um, I thought it was quite an entertaining playoff final, Sean. I thought that the the two teams obviously have a lot of quality. I think Villa managed the game better than Derby. I thought they got their, their tactics right. I thought they had probably the better performers on the day as well, and. Um, they deserve the victory, but credit to Derby. They ran them close. When Villa went 2-0 up, I turned to, to Wade and the guys and just said game over. And 
and and Derby made it a game. They, they they kept it going right to the very end, getting the goal back, and um, it was it was exciting. I thought it was kind of end to end stuff, but Derby we were a bit disappointed with our tactics. About hey, we thought they were a little bit narrow. I thought it was clever what they did. I haven't seen them play a diamond very much this season, and they, I'm not sure what the. I'm on my I'm on my pro license with Frank and Jody. It'd be interesting if they're not if it's not too raw. It'd be interesting to. Get the opportunity. And, yeah. It'd be great to pick their brains and say, "Well, what we, uh, what, was it what it did? They they really crowded the middle of the pitch, and I thought what it did really well was nullify Grealish, right? Who's so dangerous, and you hardly saw Grealish. And Derby had that gave them all the possession, but I thought the possession was where Villa wanted it, and it was comfortable, and it was in front of them, and Villa controlled the game without without having the ball, and Villa forced Derby wide and. I'm not being disrespectful because he's he was probably the best left back I ever ever played against or came near. But Ashley Cole's 38. If, yeah. if he's going to be like your same engine. He's going to be your outlet wide. He's not going to get behind the back of people. And so Derby had to, everything had to go through the middle, and it, they were trying to be so intricate. And it's like Stevie said. I think when it's like that and you cancel each other out, you're looking for the big performers and somebody to step up. And uh, I thought Al Ghazi probably looked the most the most likely the on the day. Yeah, El Ghazi was best player in the park. He was very direct. Uh, first team I've, I've I've seen him closely, but really exciting player has some good pedigree. Was in Ajax and um, and and plays for Lille. He's only in loan at Aston Villa, but um, he looks like a really good player. Strong, physical, quick, direct. A lot of qualities to his game. Do you think that that's something that they're looking at for a long-term position and bringing him back in yeah. loan? Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm by no means an expert in the championship. I've yeah. not seen every game, but what I saw today was he, he has to come back. He looks like he's got something I, about him. I think it's a big problem for him. Right. Because their team that started, they've got they got the two centre-halves on loan. Right. Uh, Al Ghazi's on loan. Tammy Abraham's on loan. Yeah. It's, I don't know. They're mo- one of the most important players, really. Ming's. Important players, but also you, you, you're going to want to go again. You're going to want to strengthen... Mm. So how much your budget's going to be taken up on trying to recruit those those four or yeah. five, and then you've got to add on top of those. So, but that's that's a trend in, a trend in the championship. You look at Derby. Derby yeah. have got some of their but Mount Wilson, Tamori, they're all on loan. It's, it's sort of you, the easiest way to get the quality, isn't it? Because you've got these young lads on uh, you know big clubs can't get into their first teams, and so the championship managers are doing a good job of recruiting them and getting them games, getting them experience. But you're right, if you want to take that to the next level, you, you actually step up to the Premier League. It's going to cost you yeah. 10, 15, 20 million for some of the guys probably, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And how do you, how do you strengthen on, on top of that? But it's, you touched on it there, it's brilliant for the players. Yeah. You, you, we were talking about Tamori because he's Canadian. He's Canadian born. Yes. But yeah, he was we've today. We've obviously stolen him. <laughs> uh, English have done the usual, just grabbed them and took them for themselves. We'll, we'll take anyone. Did you qualify for no, England? No, no. I would never have played for England. I was say, we didn't take you. I don't think I would have got selected, but I certainly <laughs> would never have played if I was selected. But we were talking about, he's had a year in a, a really, really tough league and he's played He's played a season alongside, he's either going to be alongside Richie Keogh, yeah, who's been around the block, or he's going to be alongside Curtis, who we know. Curtis Davies, yeah. I think for a development, for a development standpoint, that's invaluable. He's been on. He's been at a big club. Derby's a big, big club. Big pressure, big crowds every week. He's playing alongside an experienced pro that he can mop loads up off. Yeah. Uh, the experience he's had over this year will be invaluable. And then it's what they want to do with him next year. Do they want to? They want to. Do Chelsea want to take him back? They want to put him to in the Premier League. Yeah. Gives Derby a problem. No, that's definitely, it's one of those questions that you guys were sort of touching on is like, where does uh, Villa get the money and go? Is, is it mean Jack Relish is gone? Is Are they going to then end up selling him so that they can then bring in money to then go out and get other yeah. players? Is, is he the player that's going to be moving? Well, uh, I think it'll be hard to keep him if you have like a Tottenham Hotspur, someone come and call in. It seems like Spurs really like Grealish. But they need to keep him, don't they? they? They really have to fight very hard to keep him for at least one season. Let's not forget Villa are huge club they should have some money they have some resources and might they should spend a bit of money to try and stay in the Premier League but I, I think that it would be dangerous to, to lose anybody now if you start to get offered 60, 70 million I don't know what the number would be then you're right Sean do you say okay we'll let them go and we'll bring in three really good players rather than yeah. have that one uh, superstar so um, that's, that's the question for them I just hope that 
I just like uh, the way Villa have been in tremendous form. They've been the form team for, what was that, about 15, 16 games now? Yeah. They've been yeah, exceptional. They've been... And they've got something going under Dean Smith, don't they? And yeah. John Terry. They really have a, a togetherness and a fight and a determination. And I hope they stick to that. Whoever they bring in, I hope they, they stick to that kind of identity that they've, they've, really, um, they've really created in the last few games and months. He's a he's a top manager. He is a he is a top manager. He's what's he's, his strengths? He's it, he's he's actually quite innovative. Right. He was at he was at Brentford. They played really good football. He went to he was at Walsall before that. Really good football. He's innovative, but he he came and presented recently. Of course, I was on. He came and spoke, and he I think he started at Walsall, and he said that he was made captain at nineteen twenty. Right. And it's a really experienced squad, uh, natural leaders. He didn't didn't understand why he was made captain. He said, but he's just found over time that he, he, he the theme of the, the talk and the module was leadership. Right. And he was saying that it came natural to him. He's just a leader. Yeah. He's a leader. I think he's a he's a normal guy. He can engage with players. He's approachable. Um, but he's got that. You know, the best managers can be personable but they could be authoritative when they need to they draw the line and of it, that, that's that's the vibe I got of him right that you could you could sort of tell he was he was approachable he was friendly you could imagine having a conversation with him you could go and question him yeah you could pick his brains but when he said nah this is it this is what we're this is what we're doing and you, you got a, there was a lot of talk about um, about John Terry going back there about would it overshadow him would it overawe yeah. him and you got to think the the way he's not say he's managed that, but outstanding really. He, he's got that much belief in himself, presence, yeah. in his presence. He can handle that situation perfectly. It's funny what you're saying about Grealish. I was, uh, I think he'll stay. Do you? I, I, do, I think, uh, I think it's so hard to get. He, he's the one player. If you take the loans out of it, he's the one player I think who is a difference maker yeah. for them. Yeah. I think it's so hard to find that in the Premier League. You look at a massive club like Newcastle and they've had to come over here to get Almeron. Yeah. Um, I think Dean Dean Smith is a, a Villa fan. Jack Grealish is a massive Villa fan. Mm-hmm. We, we played against, I was, at, I was at Bristol City and he was on loan at Notts County. I was on loan from Birmingham and I had no idea who he was. I don't even know if I knew he was on loan and he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's, levered me <laughs> I'm like I'm 35 36 and he's 18 19 like what are you <laughs> Come, what are you playing at and he's called me something I can't say like, you blue nose so I've caught so him about a proper five villa minutes. guy yeah. proper villa I've caught him about five minutes I went what are you what's it Drugs. What are you, what's going on? And he was, oh, I'm Villa, me, I'm Villa. Oh, good for you, Park. <laughs> but he's proper Villa, yeah. And I think, I think he's he's the they've made him captain, which is a smart yeah. move. Um, I agree with you. I think if a Tottenham or someone comes in and say Tottenham win the Champions League and Tottenham come for it, it's hard to knock that See, back. Yeah. But I think they might um pull out all the stops emotionally and financially, everything else to keep him for another year. Yeah, so you guys mentioned that uh, Villa, you feel like they're a bigger club. They're they're not yeah. a yo-yo team. So what what do you see for them in 2019-2020? Do you see them fighting for, or do you think that they're going to try to maybe get into the mid-table? Obviously, it's so early, yeah. it's fresh. It, it's but, hard to say. You yeah. know, you have, when you come up from, from the championship, you have to recruit. And if yeah. you come up through the playoffs... You've had problems throughout the season. Yeah. You're not, you know, by no means a, the complete team. Uh, we touched on the loan signings have really helped. Mings has been terrific yeah. at the back for them. That was a, a tremendous signing in, into the new year. Um, and so, you know, getting the guys back is important. Spending a bit of money on, on the right players. But I was promoted twice from the championship. Once as, as the champions with Sunderland in, I think it was 04, 05. And then obviously playoff with, with Burnley in 09. And, um, the first time we changed a lot of things and we took away that spirit and that togetherness that Sunderland had. Um, we weren't the best players, but we had a real way of playing and we had a real uh, bond and togetherness and we signed seven or eight decent players, but I think we should have signed two or three really good players to help the team. And then when we went up with Burnley, we signed um, three or four 
decent players no disrespect to any of the guys to add to the quality that we had but we kept that spirit we brought the guys into the the, the club and, and the way of playing and the, the culture that we had built there and we were excellent up until Christmas and, and the new year we lost Stone Coil we brought in Brian Laws and things went off the rails a little bit but I think that any club that comes up has to keep that identity and that culture that has got them there and, and Dean Smith and John Terry have it going at Aston Villa as long as they keep that and they recruit with that in mind I think they'll be fine Wade yeah I think they're just had what you were talking about there. I think they just had two or three of real quality because yeah. they've got they've got the basis of of a good squad already. Yeah. They've they've had a funny season. They had a they had an embargo at the start of the year. I think we played them pre season behind closed doors. Their first team against our first team at Stoke. I'm coaching at Stoke, uh, and I speak to Colin Calderwood. Yeah, Colin was there. Colin coached us at Birmingham, and they they couldn't bring people in. So they they've had a little bit of a unbalanced squad. And when they got to January, they've managed to rectify that with loans. Uh, but they've got some good players. They've yeah. got some really good players. And I think they'll bring in... They won't won't be wholesale changes. I think they'll keep they'll keep the dynamic. They'll keep the, the group they've got and they'll try and add two or three of real quality. Yeah, you look, and it, it, if they do that, I think they'll... I think they'll be okay. I think of the three promoted teams... I, I think I fancy them to have the best chance yeah I think so just with the club that they are I'm just mm. looking at their, their team today and I know some of them are on loan uh, but you know you, Mings has Premier League experience Neil Taylor El Mohamedy uh, Hurahan's played a bit in the Premier League Grealish has had a taste there Adoma you look at their you look at Abraham you know you look at their bench and they've got Lansbury on the bench who yeah. is a good player they've got Jonathan Codger yeah, who Nick. was at Bristol City with me good player so they've got they won't bring Glenn in Glenn Whelan Glenn Whelan got yeah, people who've been around been and done it. they won't bring in loads of I was going to say journeyman not disrespectful they won't bring in they won't bring in go and bring in average I think they'll go and they'll recruit two or three difference makers yeah excellent moving on to uh, BMO Field yeah. Stevie you were at the game last night yes um, obviously Oso Bradley Pizuelo was missing from the 11 but they should have gotten the result right the should have after the start. They started the game really well. Um, I was impressed. Uh, something as simple as a kickoff, which bugs me a bit with TFC when they go back and they start playing slow passes right away. It just sets the tone. I'm a big guy for for that that kind of thing at the start of the game. Liam Fraser got the ball. He played it long. It went out for a throw in. They backed it in. They set the tone really early, and that was impressive. And I think they caught. San Jose a little bit cold which is what you have to do when you get a team coming from the west never easy to travel uh, across the coast to, to, to play a you know an interconference game so everything was right they got the opening goal and then all of a sudden they drop off their energy a little bit they lose a bit of belief the shape gets a wee bit ragged and they allow San Jose belief and in into the game and, and there's another big error there's, there's just these defensive errors um, I mentioned at the end of the broadcast but um, I'll say it again we were talking with Greg Vanny as we do before every single game and we, we go through players and formations what he expects from the opposition what he wants from his team and he's great with us he always gives us his time and, and gives us a lot, of, a lot of help that we bring out in the broadcast and after we went through 10 minutes of the tactics and, and technical side of the game Greg and I had a laugh because we basically said well actually at the end of the day all that actually matters is what happens in both boxes how you defend your box and how you you, you know you attack the ball in, in the opposition box and that's what the game is all about. A master marksman in Wondolowski oh. who just finds space, movement at the right time, sniffs a goal and defenders who just don't really want to defend. Like they don't defend well enough. They're not thinking over my dead body is this ball going to go in the goal and, and that was a key difference between the sides. Yeah, it was the 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 first goal last night and the first goal in the player final today were pretty similar. Yeah. Uh Goal scorer took up a really good position where he could see ball and, and the defender. Yeah, waited, and then as soon as the as soon as the defender turns and looks for the the player, you're dead. And he's yeah. he's made his he's made his dart on him. I, I think he took the goal really well. I only saw the first half, um, and similar to you, when it first started, it really interesting what San Jose the man for man they do. Yeah. yeah, they go man for man all over the pitch and. TFC, I say TFC, I sound like a local. <laughs> TFC were really well prepped for it. Yeah. Because you could see the game plan. It, yeah. the, the two wingers went really wide, occupied the fullbacks, opened up a massive gap to play into Altador. Yeah. So Runners off them. If you go, if you go man for man, because I, I think 
you know football goes in cycles I think there'll be the Champions League semi when Lorente came on and he changed the game because Ajax go full yeah. press good day yeah. so all of a sudden you've got a target man you miss that out you go into target man they can't deal with it and you, you play off there and you're you're in the final third facing yeah. the opposition's goal uh, and that that to me looked like the game plan uh, you go into you go into an outer door and you make you make runs off him so I thought tactically it was it was really good I just don't think they executed it very well so I was talking to you about it yesterday and I'm saying I'm watching it from up above and there's a massive gap to play into outer door and the two midfielders are so so keen to get on the on the ball they go and block that block the passing line yeah so all of a sudden instead of playing a really simple pass into centre forward you've got to loft it in the Chip end it comes a fight yeah. ball and the centre half can but at the first 15 minutes I'm watching it, I'm thinking well the, if you go man for man if you go man for man all over the pitch you've got to dominate your opponent yeah. I was thinking I'm not sure how they're going to cope without a door 1v1 yeah. with the centre half he's too strong and the right winger who scored had the beating of the left back yeah. Yeah. so I'm thinking yeah. wow Sanazar are going to have to change you can't keep leaving him he's torturing the but to be fair they were I was really impressed with them I thought they were ballsy yeah, well, they were they were really aggressive. They stuck to their guns. They ended up getting on top of Toronto individually. And when they did have the ball, they were really expansive. And and simple as it is, people ran forward. They kept hitting that big diag wide. Yeah, yeah. Godoy, uh, Godoy yeah. had it five or six times. Was he was incredible. excellent in the yeah. middle of the park. Jackson Ewell as well was very impressive. He's been having a, a, a fantastic season with San Jose. And, I mean, the history here is that Matias Almeida, of course, coached Chivas Guadalajara, who TFC played in last year's CONCACAF Champions League. So uh, Greg Vanning knew what they was coming. Yeah, they know this man for man way. Yeah. They prepared for it when they played Chivas in, in two games. And so Greg Vanning looked at his training notes and he, he, he devised similar type sessions to that. And you could see that. They had done their homework. They were more prepared than most MLS teams for what was coming into town. Uh, tactically, I found it really interesting. You yeah, know, it's, like, well. you know, it's like when you... Kills you a bit when you, because I'm a football fan. First and foremost, I'm a fan. I just <laughs> yeah. love watching football. But you end up, it ends up, you you end up, you can't enjoy a game for enjoying. You end up analysing, yeah. breaking it down. And but tactically, I thought it was fascinating, it was really interesting. Yeah. You were right in saying about that big gap, though. I, I just there was a couple of things that I thought. I thought that um, it was a really good job done by Cummings and Youngworth. They were prepared yep. for it of course that's their 1-2-V-1 on the field is in the centre back area and I thought Altidore could have done better I thought he got caught in his heels a lot of times I thought his movement was was pretty average on the night and, and I think that was a big part of it Sean because everything happens when it goes into him with some kind of quality and then you get the runners and there was another thing that really stuck out to me and Delgado's energy in the first 30 minutes was incredible uh, De Leon was trying to make runs Larea was, was very effective and I just thought can they keep this up you had mentioned that in the broadcast yeah. I was going to bring that up it's like they were playing so quick and so pacey that it's like are they going to be able to? They've played yeah. so many games in the last 15. It's like, they're already tired legs. Can they continue to go? So this is why I think Almeida's San Jose Earthquakes are playing really well now. They, they yeah. lost the first four games. They lost heavily in a few of the games as, as he was trying to bed in this way of playing. And now we're starting to see the real uh, San Jose and, and, and certainly his mark on that team. And because they know what's coming and because what he knows specifically what's needed to play like that, uh, their fitness levels are off the charts and I think they proved they were fitter than TFC yeah. and TFC's game plan was was probably the right game plan but they could keep it up for 90 minutes and so for me I, I think that was maybe a minor error where if maybe Greg Vanny thought his team could keep it up for 90 minutes but if you can't then you've got to come up with two different plans between the first maybe first half's yeah. that all energy second half something a little bit different a little bit more intricate I'm, I'm still disappointed with TFC getting a ball into the box yeah. I never see them cross the ball and Terrence Boyd came on I thought he had one of his better games in a TFC shirt get the ball into him he, he's a guy that wants to attack crosses yeah. I don't think he got to attack one cross the one near the end that was low he slid in at the back post was, was maybe his only real chance but get the ball into a box for him and I, I just think that that was a, a missing factor in the game Sean yeah that was an interesting uh, point is that at the end of the game they had three forwards up top you had yeah. Altador you had Hamilton and you had uh, Boyd yeah. and it's where is where were the crosses going to come in through because it felt like took Jordan, off yeah, yeah and Jordan was now playing on the wing and yeah. he's not a guy that's going to no. service the cross in so it, it felt like they lost their mm -hmm. identity yeah. or at least what they were planning to do um, with Josie 
I know he's a big body and yeah. he's a monster, but I think that's something that he's always sort of struggled with because yeah. they, they see how big he is. Is is he a true target man or is he a guy that goes off the ball? I thought, I, I've seen him, I've seen him a few times without him and I, I think he's been better than that than he was yeah. last night. I thought yeah. he was I thought he was poor last night. I, I thought he killed it both ways because you've got, a, if your whole game plan is to go into your centre forward and make runs off him, the ball has to stick. And if you're going to be static for the, the the frame he's got and the size he is, if you're gonna if you're gonna be still, you need to pin. And he he, he could have done. He no. could he could bully no. the centre half. He could have pinned him. Or you have to be in the game. You have to be engaged. And you have to be alive. And you have to watch the play develop. And you're looking for any opportunity if your teammates to play forward. And as soon as you do, you nip into position and you're you're on the same wavelength. And I, I didn't think he I didn't think he did that well enough. So when they had the ball, the game plan broke down a little bit on that side. And when they didn't have the ball, he, he looked like he either... I know he's just come back from injury, is that yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know whether he had the the condition or the willingness to to press the ball. No, that's so it was so easy for San Jose to build and go wide and get round the back because there was, there was no pressure to stop stop those long passes that's the so, key with him though with his, he, when he gets stop start with his, with his forearm with his injuries then his fitness levels go he's a big guy you mentioned it Sean and when he's not fit he's nowhere yeah. near the player he is when he was at his best in, in, in 16 and 17 playoffs he was supremely fit he was all over the field he's impossible to play against in MLS when he's like that but he's lacking in fitness and and um no, you, have just, to, you have to take that hit on a couple of games to get him up to speed. Yeah, get him up to speed, is, get him pushing along. But because he's a bit fragile, it's hard to like push him to that level. Down it needs to come sort of slowly and, and they need that consistency just training every single day. Another thing that I, I think with Josie, and I'm, I'm, no disrespect with this, but he's a big game player. And yeah. in fairness, a game at, Sunday night game at Bremo Field the end of May is not really a big game. I'm sorry, we've still got a problem with a regular season in MLS. But... It's getting better and TFC are missing opportunities here and, and whether they make the playoffs or not, I think at the moment it's probably 50-50, but you need to make the playoffs in a higher position, otherwise you're going to be away from home the whole time and it's going to be almost impossible to win yeah, the Cup. They're giving up a lot of goals. Yeah. They're 1.8 goals per game, which is the worst not good in, enough. Uh, in their history and they've had some pretty uh, rough spells. Are they contenders? Would they be contenders this year? I don't think so at this moment in my opinion personally now they're in a weaker Eastern Conference so can they get to MLS Cup I think so but you look at the West there's LAFC are by far and away the most dominant team in MLS it's theirs to lose even at this point and you look at Seattle Minnesota Houston yep. uh, San Jose <laughs> I was impressed I think there's five or six teams in the West that, that are that are above anybody in the East in my opinion oh, at the moment I think you're completely right I think that the the big thing is is if Toronto brings anyone in in the the next window, yeah. that's when you can find out if they're going to be contenders or not. I think need a big signer they, or two. Yeah, they need to because when Pozuelo isn't in there, and also to an extent, but there was there was no real creativity yeah. in the center of the park. That and while Frazier did try to make darting runs, and I thought he was a bright spot yeah. for for such a young player and doesn't have a lot of opportunity to play without Bradley. So I think he, he stepped up and, and put in a good shift. There yeah. was a couple of wayward passes that didn't go the right way, but I still think that he he pushed well. Uh, any other bright spots from Toronto FC? Uh, Larea was good for me, especially in the first half. Very direct. He's got good feet. He's got a bit more um, ability, dribbling ability and, and, and jink to his game than I expected. So I'd like to see him get more chances uh, higher up yep. I know he played the first few games at right back this season so I, I think he's better on the right hand side there uh, like I said Delgado had a lot of energy at the start and made some good movements he he was decent for me Liam Fraser was was probably a standout he was excellent he's a smart football player and he'll get better but he needs games yep. Toronto FC have to commit to the lad they have to get him games I know it's hard the captain plays in that position but Liam Fraser needs to play minutes. Maybe it's time for Michael Bradley to rest some games. He, he never gets injured, but he's picked up this yep. hamstring. So he's getting to that stage in his career. Maybe he gets rested some games or he plays alongside uh, Michael Bradley, Liam Fraser and Bradley in the, the base of the midfield. Um, I'm trying to think the other bright spots. I, I thought Morrow was way... I don't, don't like just Morrow in left midfield. It's wasted. He's one of the best left backs in the league. Why? Yeah. move him there nothing against Ashton Morgan Ash was solid enough but 
Morrow's a left back. You, you need to find or play someone else there. Um, yeah, I, I can't think of any. Al Deleon never really yep. found a way into the game, Sean. So it was um, it was much the same for TFC. It was too predictable. Yeah, fair enough. And then on Friday, we'll do this quickly before yeah. we move to headlines. Uh, you were uh, on the call for the Impact LAFC. Yeah. Um, obviously, it was one-way street for most of the game. Um, what did you think about LAFC? Obviously, they're the best team in the league, right? They're the best team I've ever seen in MLS. And it's wow. early to say that. Uh, I think of the early, the, the 13 and 14 Galaxy teams when I first came to, yeah. to North America were sensational. Really, really good teams with, with Sarvas and Janino in the midfield, the way they stretched, especially at the, the StubHub uh, and Carson. And, um, and you know, you had Robbie Keane and, and you had the qualities. Ardes played alongside them. They were solid at the bike with Gonzalez. That was a phenomenal team. Um, TFC were Excellent in 17, a really great team and, and a focused team that had big players for big moments. Um, and then you had Atlanta last year who had one of the games, uh, one of the league's best ever players in Miguel yeah. Almiron. And, and you had a goal scorer like Joseph Martinez who, who knew what they were doing and were, were explosive and, and, and vertical and dynamic on the counter-attack. They were another brilliant team. This team has everything. This team has a shaky goalkeeper and two experienced but average fullbacks or a few fullbacks, yeah. you know, that I think there's vulnerabilities in the fullbacks area and there's vulnerabilities with the goalkeeper. And then there's two really good centre-halves at this level in Zimmerman and Segura. What a sign in Segura's yeah. been. He brings an aggression and determination to the defensive play. He steps into things and he starts attacks so much with his quality uh, defending and then uh, and then playing it nice and simple. And boy, would TFC love a player like that just oh. now, just someone who's an out-and-out -out defender. You have Atuesta, the young Colombian, who's probably the best hold midfielder in, in MLS. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be long till he's in Europe. He's that good. He's only 21 years old and just turned. So the, the improvements in him every single game. Mark Anthony Kay, the Canadian internationals, brilliant. Latif Blessing. He's been incredible this What's year. What's he like? He looks like a different player, doesn't he? Oh, he's just a buzzsaw that's just always in your face, and it's great. Unbelievable pressure. Starts the press by his energy. Used to play in a wide area in Kansas City, Wade, but honestly, this guy's unbelievable. He's playing more central now, and he, and, and he initiates every single press. A bit like Lilana did uh, in his heyday. Yeah, Remember yeah, that? Yeah, he was unbelievable. Yeah, he, yeah. Would, he would go and he would press, and it comes for blessing. His energy is phenomenal. And then you got the front yeah, yeah. areas, and maybe a striker away from being really special. But you got Rossi and Vela in the wide areas, and and whenever they break, and you win the ball so high. Vela plays wide. Vela plays on the right. If they float around, they, they okay, interchange. Yeah. But he plays off the right, like and he comes and say, "What a player!" You said that you think they do well at home. Yeah, you said that team. You think they do? Well I think that them, side would would be close to winning the championship. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I do. That's interesting. I do. They've they've got everything. I have to say before I forget, they're unbelievably coached. Yes. They're they're tactics, their formation, the movement, the way that they're coached is exceptional. The fullbacks were coming inside. It was leaving one V ones for the best two players and Rossi and Vela. Mm. Um the the movement between Atuesta and Mark Anthony K. Sometimes Atuesta's deep, then K, you know, a bit of rotation for yep. him to come in. The way that they press, the way that they sniff danger, win the ball back within three or four seconds every time they give it away against uh, most teams certainly on Friday night against Montreal Impact and they win it in good areas and then it's one ball into uh, Villa Rossi yeah. again or Ramirez who had a good game and they punish you so they've got just about everything like I said I think the goalkeeper's shaky he came for a few things I'm not so sure about him maybe when the playoffs come and the pressure ramps up and they're yeah. expected to win he might be a problem but I can't actually see how they're not going to win it at this point. And it's, it's so early to say, but they're just rolling along and they look like their confidence yeah. on the ceiling. Yeah, you were even saying that their fullbacks are a little bit of their weaker, but even Tristan Blackman, who came in, contributed and scored a goal. And it was a he nice He was to very see. impressive. Yeah, he was he was great in the USL last year. I watched yeah. him in the finals. And it's like, was he? Yeah, he's a big body, moves up and down. It's yeah, like, they have Betta Shure and Harvey, who are experienced MLS guys. And they have a guy on loan from QPR called Hamelainen, who's um, okay. he's got American uh, heritage. Maybe his mum and dad are American, but he can play for Finland as well. So he's on loan and he's he's quite an interesting player. So Can we you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you might need them. So yeah, no. So uh, there's so much to like about them. There, and 
I think they're going to win the regular season. So they're going oh, to be yeah. at home every single game. And that stadium is electric. It's given them an extra push. And you can imagine it for the playoffs. It's going to be unbelievable atmosphere. So I'll be shocked at this stage if they don't win MLS Cup. Yeah, no, that stadium is a fortress. Uh, moving on to headlines. Massimo Allegri claims that Juventus' successor will be a manager of Manchester amid speculation linking Pep Guardiola to shock move to Turin. This isn't happening, right? David Moyes, I think it might be. Oh, but I'm only joking. Jose? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Mourinho? I wouldn't be shocked with Mourinho. I wouldn't. Not a bad show. Um, Conte's just gone to winter. Yeah. He's got a unbelievable record in Italy. Yeah. His cachet there is really high. Juventus are a huge club. Champions which I, is what they want. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I, well, I would be flabbergasted if it was Pep Guardiola <laughs> I can't say that's not going to happen he's not leaving Man City at this point is he I, do, I live in Manchester and you see what's going on at City and it's it's incredible like the, the training special, ground yeah. I know I hate the word project project makes it sound <laughs> like but what they're building there yeah the infrastructure the, the I know he's I know he's had a short spell at clubs hasn't he like he normally yeah. gets a three years, yeah. and and he and he looks that guy. He's so he puts so much into it. He puts into it. But if there was one place where I think he was going to spend a long time at, I think it'll be City because he's got the. It's really rare you can go into a club that size and you can put in the infrastructure and the people yeah. around it that you want. You can. He's pretty much shaped Man City in his image. He's done it how you want, and yeah. you go into. I thought he'd go to United. Like, you know, when mm -hmm. he, because yeah. they were both magic yeah. at the same time, I was thinking, that Guardiola fits United, that, yeah. that history, that yeah. heritage. And and he went to Man City and I was thinking, okay, with hindsight, he wouldn't have been able to have gone into Manchester United and shape it in the same no. way he has City. No. City is, is his club now. Yeah. And, and if there's one place I think he's going to stay and really build and see the fruits of it, I think it's there because he's got all, I can't pronounce his name, but it's Tiki. Begiristan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And yep. he's got the he's got the the coaching staff. He's virtually designed yep. the training ground, uh, which is it's training ground. It's a village. It's oh, like a, it's like it's a city within the city. Million, it's incredible, it's unbelievable. Oh Never um, seen anything like it. So me me personally, I think I think he'll be at City for the foreseeable future. Moving on to the Champions League final, uh, June first, Tottenham Liverpool. How do you guys see this match play out, and how can either team win on the day? Uh, we, we had a good chat about this earlier, actually, um, and we were both agreeing that as, as the second half was happening between Spurs and, and Ajax, I thought at that moment that Liverpool would definitely beat Ajax in the final. I think we were starting to see the vulnerabilities in an excellent side, but the, the way that a team like Liverpool with their experience and power and pace would have hurt Ajax was, was clear for me and I think Klopp would have devised a plan that they would have won that game. And then, of course, Lucas Moura had other things <laughs> to say. And he scored that goal. And I think probably Klopp thought, oh, the, the last thing I want is to play an English team. 100%. Yeah. Play against a team like Spurs who have done well against us in recent years. So of course, there's a lot of problems. Um, two teams don't really fit, actually. When they play against each other, normally one dominates the other. You know, even if it's just for a half. They do, yeah. They get on top because they're, they're two of the brightest minds in the game and they have very technical players. And so once a certain tactic's working, it's, it's dominating the other, the other side. So... I, that's a hard my sort of head says Liverpool and I think that they're, they're such a good team they deserve a trophy but Pochettino is he's a genius way doesn't he and it'll be tough Liverpool will play Liverpool only play one way yeah they very rarely change they changed in the semi and played a bit of a a, a, a way at the new Camp yeah and it didn't work at all yeah. it, was a, it was a disaster yeah. um so you know exactly what Liverpool are going to do. You know the system they're going to play. You know one of the midfielders are going to drop in to fullback to get on the ball. You know that Firmino is going to drop in and yeah, yeah. yeah. Tottenham can change all the time. Tottenham. I was at the game last year at Anfield uh, when when Yama scored the worldie. Yeah. yeah. And the first the first half Liverpool murdered them, and Tottenham came out, changed the system, and absolutely dominated the second half. Yeah. It was such a good game. And if the Champions League final is anything like that, it will be a treat. And it, it's really difficult to call. I agree with Stevie that if it was Liverpool Ajax, I'd be yeah. back in Liverpool all day. Uh, but being two English teams, I think makes it a completely different animal. And you said it earlier, and I think it's a great point. Liverpool deserve a trophy. Yeah, no, the season good. they've had, they deserve a trophy. But I just, for some reason, I got a naggy feeling for Tottenham. You, I don't you, know why, but I think Tottenham will 
We'll do it. Yeah. You uh, you spent some time with Michel Salgado recently uh, in one of your courses and, and he was telling you something interesting about the Champions League final. He, he he said the same thing. He he pretty much reiterated what you just said and we were watching it. It was amazing actually. We were watching it. We were really lucky. I was on a on the exchange. So there was the English pro licence coaches and the, and the Spanish. So we were watching, we sat there with Xabi Alonso, Salgado, Cambiasso, Raul, and we're in the bar and I'm, I'm <laughs> telling Most them. Most of them have won it before <laughs> they've, won it. they've all sat there, they've won World Cup, but that, that, that's what I love about football. Yeah. So we're sat there and I'm, I'm with these guys and they're getting into it like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. And they were amazing games. Like both legs were amazing yeah, games. Of course. But we're watching Tottenham and they're jumping around the room and you're yeah. thinking, that's why this game is. Yeah, These guys the have been and yeah. seen and done everything. And they're, they're breath taken away by this. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> uh, so speaking to Salgado afterwards and he, he said similar, he said, Liverpool, Ajax, Liverpool all day. He said he played in an all-Spanish Champions League final and he said it's completely Real different. Real Madrid and Valencia. Real Madrid it? and Paris, Valencia. I think it was. And he said it, it changes. It changes everything. He says completely different feel, completely different, uh, completely different like vibe. Yeah, he felt like a domestic yeah. game. And he said, and now he couldn't tell 50-50. No idea which way it will go. And it, it's going to be great. I can't. It'll be brilliant. Some game. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll be here on Monday. Oh, Either yeah. way, the results. John's a big sports fan. Oh, you really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. I don't feel good going into it, but I. You never that, feels good. I've, He's a negative sports fan. You really <laughs> hate your life. The only thing I'm a Southampton fan. So we've we've got more players on the pitch <laughs> than anybody else. It's all our team. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, uh, moving on, uh, Napoli are hiring both uh, Nathaniel Klein and Kieran Trippier at fullback next season. Uh, which player do you think suits Napoli a bit more, Klein or Trippier? Ugh, ugh, don't know. I don't like the fit of either of these two players in Serie A. To be honest, Klein Klein's a player. They're, they're, they're both. Really good players. Um, I think Trippi has had a difficult season. He, he, he reached his pinnacle uh, with his goal against Croatia in the World Cup last summer. And I think he's he, he's had it tough a bit this year. I still think he's a, a really good player. I just don't know if he's top, top player. Klein's had his injuries. Um, he, he struggled a bit at Bournemouth even on loan. So... I don't know. I don't know about that one either. I'm way, you know, Trippier a little bit better than me. You know, both these guys better than me, I think. Well, Klein's another Southampton player. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I think Klein's had a rough couple of years. He's had like 18 months where he's had a yeah. lot of a yeah. lot of injuries. Uh, I think Kieran's, I think Kieran's overtaken him. Um, but I agree with you. I think Kieran's had a, he's had three or four months where maybe naturally where, he, where he's tailed off a little tailed off a little bit and it and it does happen he's been phenomenal for for two years he's had the high of the world cup um he's probably played consistently for for a couple of seasons now and maybe it's just it's just catching up with him a, a tiny bit but i'm i'm reluctant to criticize him because he's a he's a great guy yeah um, he's your teammate at burnley he's my, for a bit. he's my teammate at burnley he's a brilliant lad and we were we were together at at Burnley in the the championship, and now he's to me. I'm, I'm in the um, I'm in the pub watching the in the World Cup, Cup semi final, and I'm jumping, I'm, I'm jumping all over the room, and he's going to play in the Champions League final. So yeah. he listen. If I had to, if I had to pick one out of the two of them, I would 100 percent take Kieran. Uh, but I agree with you. I think I think Kieran will be at Tottenham next year as well. Yep. Fair enough. Moving on to MLS for a couple of retirement uh, announcements. Uh, MLS great Chad Marshall announces retirement this week. Um, you had a chance to play against him. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on Chad before I get to an interesting stat? Great guy. Chad's a, a wonderful guy. I've played against him before. I, I have a mutual friend in Duncan Outen who was my coach here when I first came to Toronto. Uh, a good mate of mine who played with Chad in Columbus. Very close. And so... Um, I feel like I probably know him better than I actually do <laughs> just through Duncan but great guy what he sees what you get good leader positionally a brilliant centre half in the MLS was always in the right place I think Chad would be first to say he didn't have the most attributes as a player but he made the, the, the best out of them and they're my favourite kind of players and um, and I think he won defender of the year three times in a row so that tells you everything you need to know two MLS Cups one with Seattle one with Columbus two different teams which I think is important to recognise as well and Terrific guy, terrific player. So when I was talking about the stat, it went around Twitter that he yeah. only received 18 yellow cards 
in 16 years, 409 games. Yeah. So that made me sort of go down another path <laughs> and see how many, how many yellows you had. Okay. So you played one game more, you played 410, right. but how many yellow cards do you think you had oh, in your career? Oh, I'd say 410 games. What would you say, Wade? Like <laughs> 78? You seem to get booked every game. 78. No, more? Higher, nah, higher than lower than 78. Let's play a bit. Did, did you get a play of season? Right. Did you get yeah, every yeah season? nearly every season. So a you're band. looking at at least five Five, seasons, five a year, yeah. at least five. Core, 60. What do you have? Nah, 78, I said. 57. 57. No 57. There we go. Very well done. Close. Do you know how many reds you what have? What do I win? Uh, reds, I'd say eight or nine. I remember one at Preston. <laughs> that was that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. Eight, eight, eight reds. Yeah, yeah. Six, six straight. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Straight reds, but in fairness to me, they were never for violent conduct. They were always for last. Yeah, they were always for last man being too slow. Why is that, mate? I was Pull, didn't want to say it. Didn't want to say that. Pulling the guy back, handballs in the line. I remember a couple of them. I got one in the cup. He was a good player. Yeah. He was a very, very good player. And I, I thought it'd be nice for you, for somebody else to say it was a good player instead of him. <laughs> nice for you listeners to hear that. Yeah. No, instead of I, him saying it every week. I got to travel with Stevie for, for 2014. I was uh, running social media for the team and gosh, best, best captain. He was just made, made everyone feel, he was Brilliant great. Captain. Brilliant. Uh, and then last, Demarcus Beasley also announced he'd be hanging up the boots at the end of this season. Uh, did you guys ever cross paths with uh, Demarcus during your times? Yeah, I think we did. I think I might have played against him um, when he was at Man City and Houston, but I can't remember. I've, I've had too many balls, but um, great pro as well. Played higher up early in his career. Had a spell at Rangers where a few of my mates played with and against him and, and had only had great things to say about his professionalism, his quality. Um, and came back to MLS and was a credit to himself right till the very end. He's just he just does things right, doesn't he, Shawnee? Yeah. And he's consistent and uh, good luck to him. I think he'll have a a career, whether it's in coaching or front office within MLS. To me, he's an absolute certainty to be in some kind of role with with a club in MLS. That's yeah. some achievement, isn't it? Yeah, twenty years is something. We played with a guy. We played with Grezzo who oh, played thousand, over a thousand games. Oh. Eh? And it, I, I used to carpool with him. And I'd be picking his brain, brain saying, well, how are you, how, yeah. how are you keep doing it? And and he said, I just have to train at my maximum every day. So I'm imagining if the bees he's played for 20 years, he's had a similar mentality, yeah. which is you, something you can have a lot of admiration for to retain that consistency day in, day out for 20 years. So fair play to him. Yeah, it's incredible just to think about when he started, because I think he started it when he was 16 or 17 years old. Yeah. And then now has made it all the way through and sort of seen MLS from like 1998 was on that, like around that Chicago squad. And then now seeing him still through it all. It's like, I think he's the only guy that's sort of seen MLS version one to MLS version, whatever we want to call it. But I, it's been pretty incredible. Yeah. And I love that show. And I, I think that's really a great point there where you think about a guy who was there when it was next to nothing went away had a great career in Europe then, and came back and, and played the part in this next phase 2.0 or 4.0 <laughs> whatever it is now and um, and I think that's important to say and uh, again I reiterate uh, most of these guys have done it the Parkhurst is another one that I can think of Michael Bradley yeah. the, Josie they come back and they don't just come back to Swanee around they come back to win or to, to impact their team yeah. to impact their community again and and Demarcus Beasley's done that in Houston. He's, he's impacted his team. He, he's, he's brought that winning mentality, that uh, professionalism that, that you, you learn in football and you certainly learn in Europe. He brought it back to MLS and, and took it on another level. Exactly. Uh, moving on to the mailbag, it's time for Ask AFP. So make sure you use the hashtag uh, Ask AFP to send in your questions. We've got a few before we get out of here. Um, Evan asks, which manager had the most influence on your careers? Oh, I think we probably one of the guys we would say was we were you know at the same team was Chris Hutton. Chris was Chris was incredible, tremendous manager, was, wasn't he? Yeah, and now I do you know what when I was thinking about this question earlier when I, and I thought of it as playing. Yeah, but you know now you've said that, and now I'm on the other side. And I'm coaching, and what Chris was brilliant at was Chris was never too high and never too low. Yeah. He was always. Emotionally, he was always in control, and no matter what happened in the game, once you came in, you spoke to Chris. You always thought we could be three 0 down. Yeah. Chris was calm and relaxed, and you thought, you know what, this guy's been here, he's seen this, mm. he knows what to do, and that's something I've tried to retain going yeah. into into coaching. So, Chris has influenced me in in that aspect. Yeah, I think 
you know it, but every manager and every coach you come across, you you take something from yeah. positive or, and negative, or negative, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Playing wise, I think you're always influenced strongly by your early coaches. Yeah. So I had a guy called Sean O'Driscoll at Bournemouth who it's ridiculous. The team that we the team we had that we played in, it, almost everybody's gone on to coach. He That's was a he was a real teacher. Uh, yeah, real teacher. And obviously he was a big, big influence on Eddie, Eddie yeah. Howe. Uh, and he, his big thing was getting footballers to think for themselves and make decisions. And so he produced a lot of, he produced a lot of good players and people, yeah. who, people who naturally started thinking about football and went into coaching. So he was a big influence. And then we had Cots, didn't we? Yeah, we had Steve, Steve Cottrell, who I came from. We Bournemouth. still talk about me. They still day, talk we? about him. But I was at a really nice club, Bournemouth, yeah. which was comfortable and. Lovely place to go. It's on the on the coast and nice lifestyle. And and Steve took me to to Burnley, and Burnley's a proper working class mill industrial town. Um, and I think it toughened me up a little bit. And when I, you combine the two, that's probably when I started to fill my potential a little bit. So everybody's had a big influence yeah. on me. But they were that was the um, the formative years of my playing career. So. You'd have to mention those two for me. Yeah, I'd, you've had some. Oh, you've had some top top managers. I've uh, I've, Bobby. Well, yeah. I mean, I could tell a few of my Bobby. <laughs> that's, where was, that's where I was trying to go with it, mate. <laughs> the podcast made, made me a bit too long. Have for you ever that, told but, the Russian t-shirt one? Oh, so uh, you know, I was a young 18, 19 year old boy at Newcastle, and I wanted to be in the first team, and. You know, I was very uh, driven, of course. And so I'm like, I'm going to see Bobby today or the gaffer and I'm going to just tell him and I had all my points ready and set up. So I pulled him at lunchtime and I said, gaffer, do you mind if I see you for five minutes? Yes, son, after lunch, see you after lunch. Okay, so I get there and I'm, you know, I can't concentrate on, on anything else, any of the conversations. I'm thinking about where I want to go with this conversation when I have it with Bobby. And I was wearing this uh, zipper tracks at top like you did back in the day. I think I got it from Urban Outfitters or somewhere and it was a, a, a Russian top. It had the, the old uh, Soviet Union buys and it had CCCP on it. So, it was, you know, I thought it was a stylish top at the time and I, I go into this meeting with Bobby and uh, uh, two o'clock and I walk in the room and he's like, uh, sit down, son, sit down. I'll do his accent. <laughs> and I say, uh, okay, and I'm like, you know, I'm furious. I'm ready to go. He said, I love your top, son. And I said, uh, 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 thanks, Gaffer. Thanks, thanks. And he said, where did you get that top, son? From a Russian trainer. <laughs> and I went, what? And they're like, did you get it from a Russian trainer? And I went, no, I bought it in Urban Outfitters. He said, it's nice that, you know, CCCP means Russia, you know? And I went, yeah, I know. <laughs> and he said, anyway, son, what do you want to talk about? And I'm like, uh, 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 I don't know. He had oh. totally took me off my train of thought. <laughs> I think it was a tactic. Wait, genius, wait, genius, yeah. genius tactic. man, management. And he took me off my train of thought. And, and, and that's the kind of guy he was. The stories are amazing. Um, a voicemail he left me when uh, when I went back to Newcastle for a few games, my last few games ever when I'd been alone at Leeds thanking me and, and saying the kind of guy that I was, the player that I was, to, to put all our past behind me and, and do the best thing, the right thing for myself and for the team. Um, legend Bobby, in England. Oh, a legend. I don't Just, know what the parallel would be over here, but he's loved so much. The back way home. he managed people from all walks of life was remarkable. 19-year-old lads from council estates in London, you know, red-headed Scottish boys, yeah. adults, legends, Alan Shearer, Ronaldo, uh, Brazilian Ronaldo, you know, the, yeah. the guys, the players, the names that came through this man, the experience it had, his man management was exceptional. Some of his team talks would leave the hairs <laughs> in the back of your neck standing up. He was it was unbelievable, the, the sort of, um, the, the, the kind of instructions he would give you or the rally cries that he would give you. Do you know the more... The more uh, the more people that I speak to, and the more obviously the more courses you go on, yeah. they talk about being authentic, being yourself. Yeah. Say so the best leaders in whatever industry yeah. are the people that give a sense of themselves to the people that they're trying to lead, mm -hmm. and that's 
you're no better than me, but that's the vibe I got of him. Yeah. He was him. He, he's himself. What you see is what you get. What you, Gets the best out of people. He was a, a great one. My mentor was a guy called Tommy Craig, Scottish international. The actor from Coronation No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just with him. We will just with him. He wants to get in a show, by the way. He wants to come he's on. He's a okay. Chef Wed fan. I says, you can only come on when your team's relevant. So get back to us. Uh, no, Tommy Craig was brilliant. He was Celtic assistant under Billy McNeil. He was at Aberdeen. Yeah. He he was experienced. Roy Aitken worked with him as well um, I could go on and on Walter Smith was one of my favourites and, and we touched on a point earlier uh, when he talked about Chris and, and and sort of keeping everything level Chris shooting and, and how you know you're never the best and you're never the worst and, and Walter used to stress that to us when he was our Scotland manager and Walter tells a story he's, he's in his hallway in his home in, in near Glasgow he's got two front pages from the same newspaper I don't need to say the paper. And I think they might even be the same journalist. And they're three or four years apart. And the first one says, Walter Smith, the best manager in Rangers history. And three or four years later, it says, Walter Smith, the worst manager in Rangers history. <laughs> and he says, I put them in my hall because I see it every day. And I remember I'm not the worst and I'm not the best. I'm somewhere in between. And, and what a humble guy. What a, a scary man when he lost it. You sat up and you stopped talking because he was amazing. So we're, we're lucky guys. We've, we've experienced uh, some of the best and we've picked up good and bad things and hopefully uh, Wade's starting his coaching career, but it would stand him in good stead to, to be the best coach he can be and be authentic to himself. Incredible stories. Um, moving on and sticking sort of with uh, managers. Uh, Danny asks, does Steven Gerrard stay at Rangers long-term or do you think he's just there and, to, and will jump at any opportunity he gets? Uh, long term I don't know really this season 100% he needs to get closer to Celtic he needs to win a trophy um, I think he's in a good place I think he likes the size of the club and the mentality he has his challenges and Celtic are very dominant but I don't see him leaving anytime soon um, I just don't know how long term that might be because you know he has to win he has to win something pretty quickly uh, I think Everyone knows the job he wants. Yeah. And I think he'll be plotting, plotting's the wrong word, but I think he'll be mapping out a path yeah. for that job to Liverpool. And if he thinks that he can get Reigns in a position where they can be competitive in Europe and they can get close to Celtic and maybe overtake Celtic, if that gives him the CV he needs to go and manage Liverpool, then I think he'll he'll stay where he is until until that opportunity arises. If... He doesn't believe he can quite get there. I think he'll look for for the next bridging gap towards towards what is that. that. So next championship, low prem. Does he get that? To go to, to be Liverpool manager. It's yeah. a tough one, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah. Are you you're looking at uh, me personally? I think you're looking at you, you've got the top six, and you've got that that gap underneath where you're looking at. Traditionally, you'd say Villa. Yeah. But you, you traditionally you'd say like Villa, Newcastle, Everton, yeah, those sort of clubs. Yeah. Um, I'm not he's sure not going to get the Everton job. <laughs> but I don't know. Could you go from Rangers into? It's the biggest league in the world. Yeah, it's really difficult to get an opportunity at one of those clubs. Yeah. So he's had an un he's unbelievable career. Fantastic player. He's he started well in management, but. He's a rookie manager. Yeah. Jurgen Klopp was a manager for 15, 20 years yeah. before he got the Liverpool job. Yeah. And, he, and he went via Mainz and Dortmund. And yeah, 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 yeah. If you want to become Liverpool manager, that is, that's a long route. That's a long road. Yeah. I don't think um, those owners and it's such big business. Not going to make a sentimental decision. No, yeah. that's exactly no. what yeah. I'm grasping for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on, uh, Dark Material asks, who is the dirtiest player you guys ever played against? I'm going to say an unusual one. People might be surprised. Dennis Bergkamp was incredibly dirty. Elbows and little kicks and little snide moves. And it always used to really annoy me because he was an exceptional player. And I used to wonder why. And I, I think he just got so annoyed by people kicking him all the time he was that good they thought I'm just going to hit a few people back but I, I found him to be really dirty um, who else I mean we played against loads of wholehearted guys yeah. I don't consider them dirty it's, it's the snide stuff that I don't like with. yeah it's, I, I remember um, I think Robbo wasn't Paul Robinson wasn't but wasn't that yeah, hard hard but, but you knew if you had a loose touch he was gonna challenges, yeah. he was gonna now yeah I I started my career in non-league and there was a guy called Jimmy Case 
Oh yeah, who Jamie what a player. Umber, he's, he played for Liverpool in the seventies and he won two or three European well, Cups. Eh? Southampton, yeah. he was later. He is the toughest man I've ever seen. <laughs> on the pitch. He was ridiculous. Yeah, but you speak to anybody and and they bring up Jimmy and I yeah. remember you go against him in training. He was I, I, I was eighteen and he was playing <laughs> in a game and I was playing with him and he, he's he's marking someone off a goal kick and I'm stood to the side of him and it's it's like. August, the pitches are like this table. Yeah. And Jimmy's got studs on that uh, <laughs> the size of these metal studs. The grass. And he's getting the stud in the back of the lad's boot on his Achilles. Oh. And as soon as the ball's up, he's come down on the Achilles. Anyway, he was tough. Yeah. But the dirtiest was um always say about when we played against skulls. Yeah. And I don't want to keep I don't want to make it a long story, but I tried everything with skulls. I, I stood off him and he hit well. He passes. I, tr- I went tight to him and he played round corners. I tried to stop the ball getting into him and he made runs off the bat. Everything I did. So I thought the only thing left to do is kick him. <laughs> <laughs> so I kicked him. I have that. And then two minutes later, the ball's up in the air. And before I know it, I'm face down, mud all over my face. He's come right through the back of me. Album, I'm thinking, oh, kicking him's not going to work. I <laughs> in trouble here. So I'm pretty sure if he wanted to, he yeah. could he could mix right. it a little bit. Excellent. Uh, last question before we move on. Uh, Timothy asks, uh, who do you think takes home the Europa League on Wednesday night? Chelsea. You think Chelsea? I think Arsenal. I think Arsenal are a better team and I think that they'll uh, they'll prove it on Wednesday night. But Chelsea are tough. It's going to be it's another domestic game, isn't it? So it's anybody's fifth. This one is really 50-50, isn't it? It's, it's, I just think Hazard. Yeah, fair I enough. Just Arsenal, the, the manager's record's ridiculous in yeah, the competition. Of course. Yeah. Uh, knows how to win it. Uh, the front two are really lively. Oh, they're great players. They're eh? fantastic, and they've yeah. got they've got a connection. You can see they enjoy playing with each other. Yep. Uh, I just think it could be Hazard's last game for Chelsea, and he's sensational. Yeah. And you're saying it's a fifty fifty game. You're looking for a difference maker. He's, a, he's the ultimate one. difference maker. Yep. That's it, everyone. Uh, that's it for this week. We'll be back uh, next Monday. Uh, thanks again, Wade, for coming in. It was a great uh, I'll be episode. back next Monday. <laughs> KG, can, just staying in the Annapolis, yeah, mate. Yeah, KG, you got next Monday off, pal. <laughs> Stay where you are, mate. We miss you, mate. Uh, thanks so much, everyone. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Thanks to Dylan, Clay, and, of course, uh, Christian and uh, Stephen Caldwell. Uh, see you next week. Thank you.